want to turn to a familiar setting of scripture today the book of Genesis chapter 32 and uh, I don't mind telling you the inspiration behind this message today um, as long as he doesn't mind me telling it but I didn't ask him so uh, I'm just going to be pastor and say he's alright with it praise God <laughs> hallelujah in our in our in our our teens uh, whatever it is module app whatever that we've been using to communicate as a church family there is a section there some of you may not have noticed it but it's for Bible questions and answers and nobody's used it until the other day and Brother Kaiser submitted a question and I I knew the answer and started to type out a, a somewhat brief response for me. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, this is really going to take me a little bit more to explain this. And so I decided to get out my word processor and start answering there. And about 30 to 45 minutes later, I said, this thing is... Um, far deeper than just a response to a, to a question. And uh, so I, it, not in these words, but basically said, let me circle back to you on that. And um, so uh, I, I'm telling you, I, I, as I was getting into it that day to just give an answer, I just felt something stirring and I thought, you know, really the truth that is behind all of this is something everybody needs to be made aware of. And I know sometimes folks don't always see uh, what's written there. And, and even those, you know, that may be joining us um, online or whatever, they, they don't have access to that. And, and there is a truth that is found in the answer to that question that that is very, very, important to us in our walk with God. It really is. And that's why as I started answering, I met, and, and um, as I said, I was I just kept typing and I, I said, you know what? This really is essential to us. It's something we have to come to understand. And I don't want to just brush over it and I don't want to just give a short answer. And uh, as I've prayed about it and considered, I really felt like this is important to all of us. And um, so, if you would, let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 32. And a familiar story for most of us, I think. Um, Genesis 32 verses 22 through 30. Genesis 32 verses 22 through 30. Bible says, and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his 11 sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and uh, sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw uh, 
that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? Now, it's an important question that he's asking here. What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, or the Hebrew Penuel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. So the question that, that was asked here as Jacob is wrestling with what this passage calls a man as this wrestling match was going on, he was asked, what is thy name? And that's what I want to title this this morning. What is thy name? Praise God. What is thy name? If you would put your Bibles down and... I want you to lift your hands, lift your voices. And again, church, I do need your prayers Let's, let's join together. Let's ask God to move in this place. I don't want this to just be a dry Bible study lesson. I need the touch of God in this house. Let's, let's talk to God together right now. Lord Jesus, we need you. We have got to have the help of the Holy Ghost in this house today. Lord, without your touch, nothing, nothing everlasting is going to take place. Without your help and your anointing, God, it's just going to be mere words of a man. But Lord, if you'll step into this house, if your glory would fill this place, then I know that lives can be changed, and hearts can be transformed, and needs can be met. God, we need your presence, your touch, your help today. Would you grant it, Lord Jesus? God, anoint me to speak what's on my heart and anoint this people to hear and to receive. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's lift our hands and worship him for just a moment before we're seated. Come on, I, I want us to really reach out to God for just a moment more. Let's reach out to him. Let's reach out to him. You are so good. 
You are so good, and we love you, Master. We praise you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, in, in our text, we, we find the well-known story of Jacob, uh, who, after wrestling with um, a divine being of some kind, and, and uh, it's debated among the scholars. Some say this was an angel. Some say it was a theophany of God himself. And uh, what that is, I'm not going to try to answer today. I, I'm going to just, I'm going to let you just um, decide that for yourself. But, but we do know, and I'll talk about this more in just a moment, that this was more than just a man. And that becomes obvious and evident as the story unfolds. We'll, we'll spend more time in a moment talking about what we know about this story, the point that obviously my title uh, implies that is going to be the focus, and that is that during this this wrestling match, uh, this man whose name was Jacob had his name changed to Israel. And, uh, and we're going to talk about that, but, but there's something by way of introduction that I want you to notice as we go through this story today. Uh, leave your Bibles open, if you would, to Genesis 32. Now, we, 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 we are doing Bible study here, and, and uh, so I want you to be, I, I know we've got it on the wall for those who don't have Bibles, but, but if you've got your Bible, I want you to see it. I want you to follow along. There are some things I want you to make note of. Here in Genesis 32, Brother Goff, if you would read for me verses 27 through 29, and I want, you, I want you to pay attention to some things here that I'll point out along the way. Let's start reading verse number 27. And he said unto him, What is thy name? What is thy name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Jacob. So verse 27, he identifies the name that was given him at birth by his father Isaac. And he, he tells who he is. And then we read verse 28. And he said, thy name shall no more, shall be called no more Jacob but Israel. And, and, and let me just say, you know, you get to reading this and it's he said and he said and he said. And if you're not careful, you get lost in, in the sea of he's. Hallelujah. And, and so you got to pay attention to who the he is in these passages. So, so this is that divine being that, that is now wrestling with Jacob. And, and uh, when Jacob says, my name is Jacob, then he said, or that divine being, that angel, that theophany, whatever it was, said... Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. All right, your name up to this moment may have been Jacob, but beginning right now, we're doing something about that. Beginning right now, we are invoking a name change. From this point forward, he said, your name shall no more be called Jacob. But now you've got a new name, and that name is Israel. 
And then he gives the reason why. Read. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. All right, now, so it's clear. It's clear. He says, what's your name? And Jacob answers, my name's Jacob. And this angel, whatever, says, no more. No more. Your name right now at this point is Israel. We got that? So this change takes place in verse 28, but look at verse 29. And Jacob asked him. Wait a minute. And who asked him? And Jacob asked him. Well, isn't that interesting? Verse 28, his name is changed to Israel. You would think then that as the author is pinning this story, that he would have made that change from this point forward. And the beginning of verse 29 would read, and Israel asked him, but it doesn't. Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost not ask after my name? And he blessed him there. We're going to come back to that in a few moments. But but look, here's here's what I want to discuss. And this really was was the, the gist of the question that was asked that started me down this path. And that is, since we know that this man's name was changed from Jacob to Israel, why is it that we still see him being called Jacob? Why is it if his name was changed? Is he not referred to from that moment forward as Israel? Maybe all of you know why. Maybe, uh, Maybe you've already got this figured out. If you do, would you act like it's a surprise when I get there? Um, so now, now if, if verse 29 was the only place that we refer back to this name Jacob, then we could say, okay, you know, this has just happened or it's an ongoing process. Uh, we're still in the moment of this activity and we could just excuse it. But the fact of the matter is it doesn't stop there. But throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament, there are still many, many references to this man being called Jacob and not Israel. Now, we're not going to take time to read all of these verses, but, but, but just for example, if you've got your Bible open, you're looking at Genesis 32. Uh, that's where our text is. If, if you just look at chapter 33 and and just verse 1 and Jacob lifted up his eyes and then you turn the page again and you look at chapter 34 and verse 1 and Dinah the daughter of Leah which she bare unto Jacob and then chapter 35 verse 1 and God said unto Jacob and so so this just goes on and it doesn't stop this is not this is not just right here surrounding this incident, but, but even we go as far as the death of, of Jacob in Genesis 49 and verse 33. Read that for me. And when Jacob had made an and end. When, and when what? Jacob. When Jacob had made an end. Of commanding, of his, commanding sons, his sons. He gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And so here we are at his death. 
and he's still being referred to, not by everybody who knew him, but the Holy Ghost is moving on the author, whom we believe to be Moses. The Holy Ghost is speaking through Moses and still calling him Jacob. Still referring to him by that old name. And, and as I said, it doesn't even in there. It goes on. You can read throughout the Old Testament. You can read into the New Testament. And, and you see him constantly being referred to as Jacob. And, uh, and um, once in a while as Israel. But, but uh, we read a lot about him using the name Jacob. Now, now, now look, I want you to bear with me for a few minutes while I lay a little bit of a foundation here. Most of us, I think, are aware of the story and what surrounds this name change. We, we understand that Jacob uh, has, has just fled from his father-in-law and, and he has learned that his brother who hates him uh, vehemently is on his way to meet him. Jacob is in a place of dire straits. Jacob is hated by the man he just left and he's hated by the man that's coming his way. And he's got his family with him, his two wives and their handmaids and, and his at least 13 children. There's one daughter that's named here. And, uh, and, and so he's got his kids, he's got his wives, he's got everything he owns, all of his flocks and herds, and, and, and he can't go back and he can't go forward. And so he sends them on over across the, the, the brook here. And, and, and then he is left alone, the Bible says. And, and uh, uh, let's, let's, let's look at this because this is another, this is another interesting passage to me. Uh, read for me. This is Genesis 32 and, and verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. All right, now, now stop right there. Jacob was left, what? Alone. He's alone. There's nobody there, right? Are you out there this morning? There's nobody there. He is alone. At least before the semicolon, he's alone. I don't know what happened at the semicolon. And I don't know how this took place. But in the first part of verse 24, Jacob was left alone. But suddenly, out of nowhere, he's not alone. Somebody shows up. Read the rest of that verse. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. So here he is. Everybody else has gone on. Jacob is alone, but he's not alone. And there is what the Bible says is a man that is wrestling with him. And this fight lasts all night long. And as they're fighting, as they're wrestling, Jacob has got such a, a hold on this being that, that this being is struggling just to get free. And Jacob lets him know that you're not, I'm not letting go and you're not going to get your freedom without a price. It's going to cost you something. 
We've come to this moment. I've, I'm here. I've got a man behind me that doesn't ever want to see me again. I've got a man ahead of me that only wants to see me because he wants to kill me. And I want you to know I'm not letting you go until I get what I need. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. This, he said there's going to be a price. Read for me verse 26. And he said, let me go. He said, let me go. For the day breaketh. For the day breaketh. We've been said, wrestling all night. And he said, and I will Jacob not let said thee to go. him, I will not let thee go. Except thou except bless me. Except thou bless me. Now, now listen. I am convinced Jacob would not have asked for a blessing had he not realized this is not just a man. This is not just some guy that's lost in the woods here. There's something greater than just a physical being that I've got a hold of here. Jacob would not have asked for a blessing unless he recognized uh, that this one he had a hold of was greater than he was. Hallelujah. Now, now, now look, Hebrews, Hebrews which you understand is just another word for Jews. The, the book of Hebrews is written to the Jews. This is the Jewish mindset concerning blessings. Here's what Hebrews chapter 7 verses 6 and 7 says. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Now he's talking here about Melchizedek, king of Salem. And uh, I'm not going to get into who Melchizedek was. I'm going to let these... Uh, I think I'm going to drop that in the lap of our M&M class and give them an assignment and you decide who Melchizedek was. And uh, no, I, I, I could, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to today. But listen, this is a discussion of Melchizedek, which is really not important except to say that in verse 6, the Bible says that he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes from Abraham and then turned around and blessed Abraham. And what did verse 7 say? And without all contradiction. There's no argument here. The less, the less is blessed, is of the blessed by the better. So, so the writer of Hebrews makes it clear that when blessings come, they come from the top down. And as great a man as Abraham was, there was one here that was greater than Abraham. Melchizedek, whoever he was, whatever he was, was better than Abraham was. Because otherwise, Melchizedek could not have blessed Abraham. Now this is the mindset, and Jacob is aware of this mindset, and Jacob adheres to this mindset. And so when Jacob's got a hold of this being, and he says, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me, Jacob is admitting, you're greater than I am. You're superior to who I am. There's something about you that is different than what I am, and I know you've got the ability to bless me. You've got the ability to fix the problem that I'm facing. You've got the ability to solve my problem, and I'm not letting go until my problem's solved. Hallelujah. So, so he he says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. And 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 the book of Hebrews says, without all contradiction, the less. Is blessed of the better. Another translation puts it this way. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. And another, another translation says everyone agrees 
that a person who gives a blessing is greater than the one who receives a blessing. So the giver, the giver of the blessing, or if we could say it this way, the blesser is greater than the blessee. The one who's giving it out is greater and superior to the one who is receiving it from him. So, so again, we're not going to take the time to debate who and what this was Jacob was wrestling with. But I'm just going to tell you there is no argument to the fact that this was not just a man. This was somebody far greater than Jacob was. Amen. Jacob had a hold of somebody that was far superior. And so then he's got a hold of this superior being. And, and the, the being is saying, let me go. I want out of here. I'm done with it. Fight's over. Let me just walk away. I'm, I'm finished. And Jacob said, no, you're not finished. Because you've got something I need. And I'm not letting you go until I get it. Now that's the request that he makes. And when he makes that request, then there's another request that comes. This time from the blesser, the superior one. When Jacob says, I want a blessing, this being responds. Not by giving a blessing, but by asking a question. Read verse 27. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Now, this to me is interesting. It may not mean anything to you. I may be, I don't know, as, you know, as a student of the scripture, maybe I'm, um, I'm trying to be nice. Maybe I'm kind of like computer geeks that you get on their subject and they just, they love telling you all about it. And you sit there and listen and your eyes just glaze over and you say, uh, is there anyone with the gift of interpretation in the house? I don't have a clue what you just said to me. And maybe that's the way you're feeling about all this. But, but hang on for just a moment here. So, so this one that is superior, when he is asked for a blessing, he first, he first asks this question, what is your name? Before I bless you, now listen to me. He knew his name. He, whether this is angel or theophany, he didn't show up in the middle of the wilderness because he got lost. This wasn't an accidental encounter. They didn't just happen to bump into each other. In fact, because of that little semicolon, sounds like to me, Jacob is just standing here alone and all of a sudden somebody attacks him because he goes from being alone to wrestling just like that. Not he sees a man and the next thing you know, they're in this, no, 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 no. He's alone and then he's wrestling. Sounds like there was intention behind this fight. This being had shown up because he knew who this man was and he knew what his dilemma was and he knew that he was going to need divine assistance and he came for that very reason. 
But there was something that had to happen here in this process. And so I believe he had come to bless him. He had come to deliver him. Is anybody hearing me today? He had come for the purpose of getting him out of this because he carried the promised bloodline. Jacob can't die now. Jacob cannot fall at the hands of Esau. Jacob is going to continue this lineage that's going to give us the Messiah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that heaven responded knowing the situation that Jacob was in. This was not an accidental encounter. But he came and suddenly he says, tell me your name. They knew his name. Why is he asking his name well you got to remember what Jacob means it means a supplanter or a deceiver and so this superior being is forcing him now in his presence to humble himself enough to just confess Oh, help me, Jesus. I want to hold back a little bit here. I'm trying to get to something here, but, but listen to me. Here he is. He's got this power. He's got a hold of this being. He is winning in this fight, but he's got to admit, I'm a deceiver. You understand that in Bible times, and we've talked about this many times, but in Bible times, a name was not just um, a, a, a moniker or, or a title that was given to somebody. We, you know, we create names. We make up names. We, we assign names that sound good. It's not the way it was in the Bible. The name was associated with the character of the individual. And, and so Jacob wasn't just named Jacob. He was Jacob. He wasn't just named a deceiver. He was a deceiver. Are you hearing me? And so now he's in the presence of holiness. And he's got a hold of something. And he knows he's got to have divine help. But this divine help is not going to come until he first admits, number one, you're not nearly as great as you think you are. You may have some strength, but you're going to have to confess to me that you're a sinner. You're going to have to confess to me that you're a deceiver. You're going to have to confess to me. You've done all of this. You've lived your whole life by tricks, by crookery. You've taken everything by your own devices. But now you're standing in the presence of majesty. And you're going to have to admit you are a deceiver. not just this name this name that they had it's not just who they were it's what they were now look the very idea to the casual observer who is reading this story for the first time the very idea that human flesh can lay hold on something divine whether angelic or theophany the idea, the concept that human flesh could get a hold of it and wrestle to the point that he is begging for freedom is pretty impressive. But it becomes even more impressive, Brother Chad, when you think about the fact that this divine being during the middle of this wrestling match did something to him. Read chapter 
32, verse 25. And when he saw that he when prevailed he saw, not against him. That's the divine him. one. When he saw that he, the divine one, prevailed not against Jacob. He touched the, he hollow, touched of the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow and of Jacob's, the hollow thigh, of Jacob's of thigh was out of joint as, as he, he wrestled, wrestled with, him. with him. Now look, this is verse 25. And what does verse 26 say? And he said, let me go. Do you get this? Not only does this human frail flesh have a hold of something divine, but he's got such a grip on him that the divine one is saying, let me go. But listen, what's really amazing is his, his, the, the hollow of his thigh is out of joint. You ever, you ever have any, any bones pop out of joint? You know, the older I get, the more I understand some of these things. They were talking the other day about somebody jokingly said, could we get you a recliner to put on the platform? I said, I don't need a recliner. I need one of those that goes the other way. I'm having trouble getting up. I need one of those I can push a button, you know, and the seat just lifts up from the back and I can just slide out and stand up. That's, that's where I'm at. And uh, I... I, I a lot of chairs, the way I said, and, and some of you have watched. And I, I try to get up, and it's, you know, this hip is just, it just gives out, and, and it's just not where it needs to be in the joint, and I can't hardly stand up. And there have been a number of times before I finally got used to this that I would forget that it was like that, and I'd just jump up and go to take off and have to catch myself because I was headed to the floor. And the very idea, first of all, that humanity has got this kind of grip on divinity is amazing, but to think that in the midst of the kind of pain that he must have been in, and he still wasn't letting go, in the midst of the agony he must have been feeling, and you know, you know if you've ever done any kind of fighting, the best thing you can do is aim for the weak spot. And I can guarantee you once, once that divine being had had touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and put it out of joint. I can promise you ever so often he'd, he'd reach down and hit that or he'd, he'd bring his knee up and kick it. He'd, he'd, he'd send shock waves. But in spite of all that, Jacob wasn't letting go until he got his blessing. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care how much it hurts. I gotta have the help of God and I'm gonna fight until I get it. You can put both of my hips out of joint. You, you can do whatever you wanna do, but I'm not gonna let go until I get my blessing. Well, so no matter, no matter how well he may have fought that night, no matter that he had obviously gained the upper hand. Now when this being is ready to go, and he says, I'm not letting go, the being says, tell me your name. You think you're so big and powerful and mighty. Tell me your name. And he said, my name is Deceiver. That's not just who I am. It's what I am. It's what I've always been. In fact, that's why I can't go back. And that's why I can't go forward. 
because these men have been the recipients of my deception. They have suffered at the hands of my supplanting. He's got to stay there in the presence of the Holy One that's there and admit I am a sinner. I am no good. I may be strong physically. I may have some might. I may have some stamina. I may be able to hold on in the midst of pain. But when it all boils down, I'm a no good for nothing sinner. And he's going to have to admit this before he's going to get anywhere. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And so as soon as Jacob admitted who and therefore what he really was, that's when things started changing in this battle. It was at that moment when he finally just admitted, I'm, I'm, I'm a deceiver. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a supplanter. I'm a cheat. I'm a thief. That's what I am. It's at that moment that things began to change. They had wrestled all night. Are you hearing me today? They had fought all night and nothing changed. Nothing transpired until finally this man said, I am a sinner. And when he admitted this, then, then we read verse 28. And he said, he thy said, name shall be called no more Jacob, that's but That's what it has been. That's what it has been. But now that you've confessed it, I'm here. You came wanting me just to spare your life. But I'm not just here to spare your life. I'm here to change your life. Listen to me, Jacob. If you just keep on being Jacob from now on, you're going to find yourself in this situation again and again. And I hope somebody's hearing what I'm preaching today. You're going to find yourself in this situation again and again and again. I'm here to try to offer to you something that you're really not even asking for. You just want me to spare your life, but I'm not just going to spare it. I want to change it. I want to transform it. I want to take you to where you are no longer the supplanter and the deceiver. I want to take you to a place where you've got power with God. Well, hallelujah. Amen. So, so, at this moment now, 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 now look at this. What, a, what an amazing moment this is. What an amazing moment this is. When, when not just, this is not just a change of names, you understand. Because the name is not just the identifier. It's the identity. And he's saying to him, Right now, I'm giving you the opportunity. We're going to change this. You don't have to stay, Jacob. You don't have to stay the way, just because this is the way it's always been, just because you've left a trail of tears behind you, just because you have cheated and connived and hurt everybody that ever cared for you, just because that's the way your life's been doesn't mean the way it's got to be in the future. I'm telling you, I'm here to change you. I'm not just here to rename you. I'm here to change you. And then you'd think this is going to be a shouting moment. Oh, hallelujah. I'm leaving all that behind. 
I'm moving on to another life. I'm changing. I'm going to be better. But, but there's not even so much as a thank you. Instead, Jacob just turns around and, and read verse 29. And Jacob asked him Jacob and asked said, him, tell me, I pray thee thy name. Now, now look. Jacob, in his mind, is saying, you know, turnabout is fair play. You asked me my name. You changed my name. But I don't know who you are. You give me your name now. Let's, let's exchange business cards here. Let's, let's, let's get on LinkedIn and connect to one another. Let's tell, me, tell me what your name is. I want to know who you are. I've admitted I'm a sinner. Now you tell me who you are. And, and look at the response. Read. And he said, wherefore is it that said, thou dost ask after my name? Why are you asking that? And he blessed him there. And he blessed him there. Now, did, did this divine being answer the question? Jacob says, tell me your name. And I don't see where he ever spoke a name. He didn't speak a name. But again, remember that a name was not just an identifier, but an identity. And could it be that he did answer the question? Not by speaking a word, but by showing him. I'll tell you who I am. I'm the blesser. I'm the one that's got the power to do whatever you need. I'm going to show you by example what my name is. Now, now hear me. I'm getting down to my point here. I, I, he, he's saying a, a, name, a name is not just what you say. It's what you do. And I believe that in so doing... Because it's at this point he blesses him and he's gone as quickly as he appeared. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I believe at this point he was leaving a sermon with Jacob. And he was saying to him, now look, I've shown you that a name is not just something you wear. It's not just something you give out to people to let them know when you look at this face, this is who this is. But he said, I want you to know a name is supposed to mean something. A name is supposed to mean something. And I've offered you today a brand new name. I I'm telling you that as of this moment, I'm giving you the opportunity. You've got a choice now. You can continue to live as Jacob or you can be Israel. And I want to show you that a name is more than just an insignia. It's more than just a moniker. It's more than just a title. I'm going to show you what my name is. I'm going to live up to my name. And in so doing, he's saying, now you do the same thing. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Just as a deceiver deceives, a blesser blesses. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you that Jacob's given this choice. But the sad fact of the matter is he didn't always act like his name had been changed.
Hallelujah. The angel said, I'm going I'm I'm to give you a name, and I'm going to show you by example. You're supposed to live the name that's applied. This is supposed to be what you are, not just who you are. He gave him that example, and he left. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that right now, from this point forward, you can be the deceiver if you want to, or you can be a prince with God. You can have power. Now, now really, the, the name Israel doesn't really mean prince with God per se. That's the message that, that, that he was given. But according to, to uh, Hebrew lexicon, it actually means God prevails. God prevails. So, so, so listen to me. One name speaks of Jacob's natural state. It is his humanity. It is his carnality. But the other speaks to him on a spiritual level. Generally speaking, after his name was changed, when you do read about him being called Israel, you are reading about some aspect of his spiritual blessings, his spiritual condition, or his spiritual mindset. For instance, we don't talk about the 12 tribes of Jacob. It's the 12 tribes of Israel. These are tribes not because of the carnal deceiver. These are tribes because of a spiritual moment. This was the plan of God. It was God that prevailed. It was God that gave him these 12 boys. It was God that performed these miracles in the wombs of his wife. I'm telling you, this was a spiritual thing that he had these 12 sons. And so they're not the sons of Jacob of his carnal side but they are they are they are the tribes of Israel they are the children of Israel because of the spiritual component of who they were and the promises associated with them and I'm going to tell you with that in mind as you then begin to read the rest of the life story of this man Jacob. The sad fact of the matter is. He is called Jacob more often. Than he's called Israel. With a few exceptions. And, and for instance one of those exceptions is the whole story. And I, I found this interesting. The whole story of Joseph. In the story of Joseph. Repeatedly. He's suddenly referred to as Israel. Look, look just, just a few examples here. Genesis 37, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the minute, son of his age. Wait a minute. Who loved Joseph? Now Israel. Israel. So we start this whole story of Joseph, who's going to be the keeper of the people of God. It's going to be because of Joseph and what Joseph goes through that they end up being taken care of during days of famine. It's going to be because of Joseph and the commitments that he makes that God says, I'm bringing you up out of Egypt. You're not going to stay there. I'm telling you, there was a spiritual connotation to the entire story of Joseph. So when we first are introduced to this story, it's not Jacob who loved, is, uh, who loved Joseph, but it was Israel who loved Joseph. 
And, and again, we, we see this when, when they come back and uh, they've, the, the, the other sons have been down there. They've been through this whole story, this whole situation of all that, that, that goes on there. And, and they've met this ruler in Egypt that they don't know yet is their brother. And, 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 and you know, they, they've, they've been back and forth. And finally, Joseph reveals himself. And Joseph sends some wagons and said, go get daddy and bring him down here. And, 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 and when they go back and tell their father, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe he doesn't believe it. He's believed all these years that Joseph was dead, but but something happened. They're standing there arguing with him, and all of a sudden, this man, this old man, looks out the window, amen, or the tent flap, or whatever it is, and he sees these Egyptian chariots rolling up by the dozens, and he sees them loaded down with stuff, and he says, oh my, oh my, amen. Here's what he says, chapter 45, verse 28. And Israel and said, Israel said, it is it's enough. enough. Joseph, my son, is alive. yet alive, and I will go and see him before I die. Chapter 46, verse 1. And Israel, and took, Israel his took his journey with, all, with all that he had. It was Israel that went down into Egypt. I'm just preaching to you. Amen. I'm preaching to you today. Amen. That, that throughout the life of this man, he had the choice. He was given the opportunity, but he had to make a decision. That question that the divine one asked him was a question he had to live with every day of his life. Every day when he got up and he looked into the polished brass that, that we now would say is a mirror he would look there and he'd have to ask the man in the mirror what is your name are you going to be Jacob or are you going to be Israel what is your name how are you going to live today are you going to live in your whole carnality or are you going to live with the power God gave oh I feel like preaching a little bit here today Now, there is one interesting, interesting verse in all of this story of Joseph. Uh, I found, found this verse, and I, well, this one's a, this is a unique one, because 46 and 1 is when Israel is headed down there. And as he's on his way to Egypt, chapter 46, verse 2 says this. And God spake and, unto Israel. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the, the night, visions of the night and, said, and said, Jacob, Jacob. <laughs> he said, here, I, here am I. Isn't that interesting? As the writer writes about it, this is a spiritual moment. This is a promise that's coming from God that's been handed down to this man because of whose son he is and because of whose grandson he is and because of the seed that's going to come from his loins. This is a spiritual moment when God is saying, I'm going to keep you when you get there and I'm going to bring your children out of there. I just want you to know. But he said, he spoke to Israel and said, Jacob! I don't know what was going on in Jacob's heart and mind on that day, but it sure sounds to me, brother self, like at that moment it was a spiritual moment, but he was still a carnal man. I've seen that many times in my years of pastoring. Amen. When carnal people get into the midst of a spiritual moment. 
And rather than let the spiritual moment change them into spiritual, they just enjoy the blessing of the spiritual moment. And when it wears off, they're right back to Jacob. Well, I am preaching today. I am preaching today. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, you know, here's the interesting thing is that we find a very similar situation in the life of Simon Peter. I've always said out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So, so let's look at the life of Simon Peter. I find a very similar situation. Let's start with Luke chapter 6 and verse 14. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew. Now, just, just so you know, I want you, I want to, everything I say, I, I always want to prove it with the scripture. Simon, whom he also named Peter. The he in this verse is Jesus. Jesus is the one who named Simon Peter. At birth, his name was Simon. But Jesus changed it. And I'll prove that to you, John chapter 1, verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Jesus said, Thou art Simon. Right now, you are. You are Simon. The son of Jonah. The son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called but Cephas. You're going to be called Cephas. Which is interpreted, which is, interpretation, which is by a interpretation, stone. a stone. Now, now look, Cephas, Simon, what you've got here, you've got two different languages. You, you've, got, you've got two different languages. Cephas is the Syriac version of, of Simon, which is the Greek language. Uh, name. So, so I hope you understand. It's kind of like Juan and John. There's really no difference here. It's just a different language. And so this is the Syriac version of, uh, of, 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 of Peter. I'm sorry, of Peter. So, so what happens here is that Jesus takes Simon and he changes his name to Cephas in the Syriac or Peter in the Greek. Now, what's the significance of this name change? Well, you see, Simon simply means he who hears or the hearer. That, that's what it means. It, it, in other words, Simon is greatly influenced by the opinions of others and by the by his natural senses he just you know he's the man that's impetuous he's the man that just jumps at everything he listens to what's going on when he's out there walking on the water something no other man's ever done he starts looking and listening to the winds and the waves and because of that, he goes, he, man, he, 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 he goes from this miraculous moment to, to nearly drowning. He's just back and forth. He's back and forth. I mean, even in Matthew 16, which we're going to get to here in just a moment, but, but even in that chapter, if you read the whole chapter, in one moment, Jesus is blessing him, and then just a few verses later, Jesus turns around and says, Get thee behind me, Satan! I mean, this man is just, he is a yo-yo. You hear me? He's back and forth. Whatever is the popular idea at the moment, whatever is the, the best feeling at the moment, I'm just living for right now. I'm just trying to get through right now. I'm just listening, amen, to see which way is the wind blowing in my life, and I'm going to go the easiest route I can. And Jesus said, I want to change all of that. I don't want you to be the hearer anymore. I'm going to change your name to Peter. I'm changing you from the hearer that's blown around by everything 
everything that everybody else says and I'm going to make you the rock. That's what Peter means. I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to make you an anchor. I'm going to let you be steadfast. You're not going to be flipping around and floating around and changing from day to day. I'm going to make you sure and steadfast. There's going to be a change, not just in your name, but in your nature. There had to be. For Peter to do what the Lord wanted him to do, there had to be a change. He couldn't do it as Simon. He couldn't do it listening to everybody else. He had to be a rock. He had to be firm. He had to be steadfast. Well, hallelujah. Now, most of the time, most of the time, he is referred to in the Gospels as Peter. But there were some very significant moments when he was not called Peter by the Lord. Let me show you one. Mark chapter 14. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the moment of crisis. This is the moment when no doubt the Romans have already left and started toward this garden to find Jesus to arrest him. He's going to be brought before a kangaroo court and tried and found guilty. He was guilty before he ever got to court in their minds. This was not about really trying to determine right and wrong. They'd already said he's wrong. Now we just got to find a way to, 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 to give him the punishment we want him to have. It's a crisis moment. It's an urgent time. And Jesus is praying with such fervor and such intensity that the Bible says that his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood as he is agonizing in that garden of Gethsemane. And he took three men with him. Three hand-picked that he was counting on to help him pray through this crisis. And one of them's Peter. And Jesus has prayed for about an hour. And he's taking a little break. And he walks back over to where this trusted disciple he's depending on to help him where he should be praying. And here's what he says. This is, this is the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 37. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. And said unto and Peter. And he said unto Peter. Simon. Simon. Sleepest thou. Isn't that interesting? Now this is written obviously after Pentecost, after the change. And so the author here, Mark, is, is referring to him by the spiritual name. But yet he wants to make it clear that when Jesus called him out of his sleep, he wasn't calling him Peter. He didn't say, Peter, why are you asleep? He called him Simon. You've gone back to your old nature again. You're right back where you were when I found you. I need you to be praying. I don't need you to be sleeping right now. I need you to get a hold of something because this is a crisis moment. Everything, 
everything listen this moment was the moment of the ages this was the turning point of all of history everything from the creation of the world was pointing to this very moment and here is simon sound asleep and that's the way jesus identifies him simon sleepest thou couldn't you watch for just one hour Now, another time when this happens is in Luke 22 and verse 31. And listen to this. And the Lord, the said, Lord said, Simon, 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 Simon. He repeats it here. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you. I got to warn you, son. I got to warn you. Simon, you're playing with fire. Simon, you better get a hold of your spiritual walk. You be- oh, I feel like preaching right now. Simon, you better wake up and recognize what's going on. The devil has put a target right in the middle of your forehead. And here you are, flip-flopping around again. Simon, Simon, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. Don't be Simon anymore. Hallelujah. And yet, and yet, in that moment of spirituality, we mentioned a while ago in Matthew 16, Jesus comes into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he says to his disciples, whom do men say that I am? I said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said, whom say ye that I am? There was a moment of spirituality that broke through. And Simon didn't wait for anybody else. And he answered and said, thou art the Christ. You're the Messiah. I know who you are. I understand who you are. In fact, if you know the story, you know that Jesus comes along and says, you didn't get this by flesh and blood, but my Father, which is in heaven, revealed it. Listen to me. Listen to me. He's saying to him, you've had a divine moment. Uh, Something's happened here. There's been an infusion from on high. God has intervened in your life and given you insight that some of the others don't have because we find Thomas all the way at the end of it all still saying, I'm not going to believe this until I see the hands and the feet and we find Philip saying show us the father on the night of Jesus betrayal but Simon knew Simon knew and he had that inspiration and he got that anointing and he stood up when the others didn't and he said I know who you are you're the one that the prophets talked about you're the one that was promised way back in the garden of Eden you are the Messiah you are the Christ the son of the living God And as a result of that moment, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18. And I say unto thee. Now listen, this is after Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you're Christ. 
And Jesus responded. This almost, this almost sounds like what happened with Jacob because we got a whole name exchange going on here. Jesus, uh, Peter says, Peter says to him, you are Christ. I'm, I'm telling you that's your name. You're Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the anointed one. You're the prince. You're the king of Israel. I know who you are. And Jesus turned around and said, now let me give you your name. Let me identify you. Amen. I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, upon this rock, upon this rock, you're not just going to be a hearer anymore. Amen. I'm telling you, this little rock of Peter has gotten on the big rock of the revelation of who I am. And I'm going to build my church right there. That's where it's going to start. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail. Oh, listen, it's not going to happen for Simon, but it'll happen if you let me change you into Peter. Well, now throughout the book of Acts, and I, I'm running out of time. Throughout the book of Acts, he is consistently called Peter. After that transformation in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost comes on him, there's a change in his life. And he is called Peter over and over and over. With uh, an exception. I didn't, I didn't put this in the notes, but there is an exception. There is a Gentile man that's over here praying, and an angel appears. And uh, this Gentile man is hungry for God, but the Jews have been prejudiced. They hate Gentiles. They hated Gentiles. I, I, I want to put it in the past tense. They hated Gentiles. Even in the church, they felt that way. And, then, and, and so Cornelius really didn't have much chance. He didn't have much opportunity. But an angel stands before him now. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open the door to you and to all the Gentiles after you. But here's the way it's going to happen. He said, now send men down to Joppa and ask for one If you know the verse, you know what he said. He didn't say, go ask for Peter. The angel said, go down there and ask for one named Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he's going to tell you. Now, that's interesting to me. Brother Jerry, that's, that's interesting that the angel, in this one exception, refers to him as Simon. Why did he do that? Well, what's going on down at Simon's house? Now, he's at the house of Simon the Tanner. So this is Simon Peter and Simon the Tanner. And, and he's at the house of Simon the Tanner, and he's up on the roof. And what's God having to do? God's having to give him the same vision three times to get the prejudice out of his heart, to get him to where he'll talk to a Gentile before they ever get there. I'm telling you what's going on. The spirit was wrestling with the carnality of that man. And so when the angel spoke, he said, go down there and call Simon. You, you go down there and ask for Simon. But, I, but 
but there's a promise here. His surname is Peter. When it's all said and done, he's still, he's going to go back. He's going to lay all this aside. He's going to make a change. He's going to turn around. He's going to get rid of all those feelings of hatred. He's going to stand up for what's right. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, there was, there was, even in this moment, a promise. Uh, he may be Peter right now. He's wrestling with his flesh right now. He's wrestling with his carnality. But I know, I've watched him. I know who's going to win. I, I'm, I'm preaching, church. I'm preaching to you today. I'm telling you, every one of us have got a choice every day, just like Jacob did, just like Simon Peter did. We got a choice every day. We get up, we look in the mirror, we got to ask ourselves, what is thy name? What is thy name? Am I going to be carnal today or am I going to be spiritual? Am I going to live like I always used to live or am I going to walk in the Holy Ghost today? What am I going to do with my life? Listen, just because God filled you with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean he made you perfect. Just because God came to dwell inside doesn't mean he took everything out of your heart and changed everything about you. You're still human. And I'm telling you, every one of us have got a struggle every day that we live. We've got whatever problems and faults and frailties and, and issues that we came into the church with. They're still down there somewhere. They're still there somewhere. And if we go and we don't pray and we don't study our Bible, hey man, we're, we're, I'm telling you, if we don't do the things that's going to feed the spiritual man, that old Jacob is going to rise up. That old Jacob is coming back to the surface. Simon is going to show his face again. Every one of us, every one of us have got that potential that we can be Simon or we can be Peter. We can be Jacob or we can be Israel. Now I gotta I gotta try to I gotta try to bring this thing to a close somehow here. I gotta I gotta tell you there's too many people too many people in Christianity today. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just telling you the truth today. Too many people think salvation is just about going to heaven. He saved me so I can go to heaven. That's it. They think that's all there is to it. But listen to me. Listen to me. I'm going to prove to you scripturally that God, God didn't provide salvation just to save you from hell. He didn't, he didn't provide salvation just to save you from hell. Hell is the consequence of what he came to save you from. Read for me Matthew one twenty one. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Uh-huh. For he, or he shall, shall save, his, save people his people from their sins. He shall save his people, not from hell. He's going to save his people from their sin. Listen, contrary to popular belief, it doesn't even say he's going to save his people in their sin. He's going to save them from their sin. God doesn't want you living like you always live. God doesn't want you being what you've always been. If that's what he wanted, there was no need to save you. But he saved you because he wants to change you. He's got a 
enough Jacobs in this world. He's got enough Simons in this world. He's looking for somebody that'll let him pull them out of sin and say, I'm going to be different. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect every day, but it means we're striving for something. We're trying our best. We're not being flippant about this world, but we've got our minds made up. I'm going to live. I'm going to live a life that backs up the name that is now upon me. Oh, I'm trying to get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm trying my best, I promise you. Amen. Sin is a part of our human nature. We're born with it. It's there. You don't have to teach a child how to sin. It's there. And I know, I know, I know. Some of you parents, and maybe not parents, some of us grandparents. I think we're more guilty than the parents are. Thinking those little darlings couldn't possibly do anything wrong. It just don't get onto that baby. Don't don't don't. Hello, can I get a witness today? It's the truth. And our kids are looking at us saying, "Wait a minute, that's not the way you treated us." What happened to you? Are you schizophrenic? Bipolar? What took place here? You're not the same person you were. I'm just being honest with you. It's there. Listen to me. It's there. It's there. I'm just telling you the truth today. And and those of you who don't have grandkids, when you got them, you'll understand. And then it'll be you hollering preach. Because you'll understand it better. We'll understand it better. By and by. Hallelujah. Amen. If the Lord tarries his coming, you're going to have a grandchild one day. And you're going to realize that all of a sudden everything changes. The whole world is different now. Oh, don't you spank that baby. They're too young to get a spanking. Oh, 16. <laughs> You'll understand it better by and by. Come here, darling. Come here, baby. You're going to be all right. It's all right. Mean old mama. <laughs> when all else fails, you just call grandpa, right? Everything's going to be all right. You put my number on speed dial. You learn how to call me. You, you just get a hold of grandpa. He's going to be all right. I'll come rescue you. You'll understand it. You understand? But look, look, in spite of all that, I'm telling you, every, everybody is born with a sinful nature. It's in us. It's there. It's there. You don't have to teach a child to, to sin. You don't have to teach them how to lie. You don't have to teach them how to cheat. You don't have to teach them because it's in our nature. And if there's going to be a change and we're going to lay aside sin, then something's got to happen to that old nature. And there's got to be a death to that old nature. That old man's got to die because we're not going to please him if we keep living like Jacob. And every one of us are born Jacob. Are you hearing me? Every one of us are born Simon. Every one of us. 
And something's got to happen where Jacob dies, Simon dies. We got to have those moments. We got to have that time when there is a death to the old nature. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, read. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from uh, the presence of the Lord. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you. How many have listened to the podcast last two weeks? I'm not going to ask you. I started to ask Thursday night, and, and my wife felt like she's grandma to everybody. She said, don't ask, don't ask, don't ask. Give them time, give them time. I'm not asking her. She's, not, she's downstairs with the Sunday school kids. But I can go home and brag to her. I didn't ask, I didn't ask. But if you've listened to the podcast, I've been talking about, I've been talking about conversion. He said, he said, be converted. Conversion, conversion is not just accepting Christ. And that's not conversion. Conversion means to be changed. I've traveled to Africa, to the countries of Africa, however many times. And I'm telling you, now in some countries, it's okay to flash a, a U.S. dollar around. They, they kind of like it. But there are countries where they won't accept it. And in those cases, my U.S. dollar has got to be converted. It's got to be changed. It's got to be transformed. It's got to go from U.S. dollar to Malawian kwacha. Or South African rand. It's got to be converted to the kingdom where it's going to be used. Now see, if you'd have been listening to podcasts, you'd have heard this a week or two ago. Hallelujah. Just, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask. I didn't ask. So, so look, it's got to be changed. It's got to be converted so it can be used in the kingdom where it now is. And we've been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And we can't keep being what we've always been. If we want God to use us, there's got to be a conversion. There's got to be a change. We've got to get into his currency. I feel like preaching today. So, so Acts 3.19 said, repent, therefore, and be converted. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. We don't hear enough preaching about repentance anymore. We're going to offend somebody if we tell them to repent. We don't want to tell them to repent. But I'm telling you, we've got to tell them to repent. Because you're not going to be converted till you repent. Repentance is a death. It's a dying process. It's when you carry this old carnal flesh to the cross of Calvary and say, you were crucified on my behalf. How do I think I'm going to make it through this life without a crucifixion? Mine doesn't have to be on boards of wood and nails of iron. Mine's going to be on an old-fashioned altar, but I still got to be crucified. I still got to die. I still got to kill this old carnal nature of mine. Those old weeds of sin grow back up. Now, you know, I hear about all these miracle sprays you can get that'll just kill the weeds. And, but I, I just hadn't found anything yet that'll keep them going forever. If, if, if you do find one that'll keep them going forever, it probably keeps your grass going forever too. But you got to go back out there ever so often and hit them again. 
And that's the way it is with this nature of ours. If we think we can just come in and have one little experience, and that's conversion, that's not conversion. I'm telling you, there's going to be those weeds of sin and carnality that's going to grow up, grow up constantly. We got to get back out there. Get a Holy Ghost weed whacker, hallelujah. Amen, chop that thing down. We got to get rid of that. We got to cut all that out of our lives. I'm not going to be a Jacob. I'm going to be an Israel. It's got to start, it's got to start with, it's got to start with repentance. Now, now look, what we find, the moment of transformation, the moment that Jacob is, is no longer, he's got this opportunity now. He doesn't have to stay Jacob anymore. The next thing that I see that happens here is, is that there is that name change we've been talking about all day today. And there's got to be a name change for us as well. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Listen to this. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of our Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. Of whom of the whom whole family in the heaven. The whole family in heaven and in, and earth, is in earth is named. I'm telling you, at some point, we got to take on a new name. At some point, we got to get a new name. We can't keep going by the old name that we used to go by. We got to get a new name. And the Bible says the whole family whether it's in heaven or here on earth. That's us, church. That's us, saints of God, that the whole family in heaven and earth has got to have that name Jesus. It's got to be applied to us. we got to take on that name. Is anybody going to help me for just a few more moments here? I'm nearly done, I promise you. Amen, I'm nearly done. Give me just a couple more minutes here. But we got to take on a new name. And how does that name get applied to us? Well, Paul told us, in, in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, he's given his personal testimony. And he said, this is what Ananias told me. Ananias said. And now why now, tarriest thou? Why tarriest thou? Arise, arise and be baptized. And be baptized. Wash away, and thy, wash away sins, thy sins. Calling, calling on the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. Why don't you go and bury old Jacob? Why don't you bury old Simon? Why don't you put him away? And when you do, let's call on that name. Amen. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. Come on somebody. And given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Amen. Of things in heaven. Of things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm talking about a new name. We got to get a new name. We got to be buried in that new name. Now, now, now when that name comes, we got to do something about it. See, we see Jacob got his new name. He didn't live up to it. And I'm going to tell you now, with our carnal nature, we can repent. We can be buried in Jesus' name. But that doesn't mean we're going to change our nature. So something's got to happen. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4. I've only got a few more scriptures, I promise you. Amen. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 through 4. And this still isn't as many as he had songs on the list a while ago. But anyhow, read, read. 
<laughs> According as his divine power have given unto his us divine all power things. Has given us all things. That pertain unto life. Second Peter 1. Listen. All right. According as his divine power have given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And life and godliness. 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 Not worldliness, but godliness. Read. Through the knowledge, Through the knowledge of, him of him that had called, called us, us unto to glory, glory and, virtue. and to virtue. Read. Whereby are Whereby given, unto, given us unto us exceeding great and precious, and precious promises. promises. Now listen, listen. That by these that by you, these, might be you might be partakers of the divine nature. This is what's got to happen. We got to get rid of this old carnal nature. We got to get rid of the Jacob nature. We got to get rid of the Simon nature. We got to get a divine nature. Hallelujah. Having escaped the corruption of this, uh, uh, of the corruption that is in the world through lust. And look, when that divine nature comes, everything changes. I'm going through these fast. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if, Therefore, any, man if any man Christ, be in Christ, he is a new creature. Oh, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I'm just fruit inspecting today. Amen. The Bible said you can tell a fruit by, uh, you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. If I walk out here and there's oranges on the limb, that's not an apple tree. Now, I may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I can figure out when I look at that and there's oranges there, that's not an apple tree. Well, praise God. You can tell by the fruit that it bears. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, if all you got hanging on your tree is sin, there's something wrong with the tree. Amen. But if any man be in Christ, what's going to happen? He, he is, a, is new a new creature. The old things. Read. Our are you going to read? Old things, things, are, passed old things away. are passed away. Behold, Amen. all, all things, things are become all new. Things are become new. The things I used to love, I now hate. The things I used to hate, I now love. There's been a change in me. There's been a transformation. When this divine nature was put inside of me, it took away all of the old and it gave me something new. And how does that happen? Acts 2.38, read. read, read, Peter, read, read. Said unto them, Peter said unto them, repent. repent. Amen. That's dying out. That's that crucifixion. And be baptized, and every one of you, in the, in the name, name of Jesus Christ, Christ for, the for the remission of sins. Of sins. We're taking on the name. And then and you shall receive the gift of the, of the Holy Ghost. That's when the divine nature comes to live on the inside of us. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that's going to transform us. We need that power. We need that power. Musicians come. My time is up. Oh, I got seven minutes. Hallelujah. Lord, I was about to shortchange myself. All right, look. Look, I'm telling you from that point forward now. Now we got, we got everything we need. The new name, a new nature. It's all there. But we still have to make a daily choice. Are we going to live to honor this new name? Are we going to be Jacob? Or are we going to be Israel? When somebody cuts us off in traffic, are we going to be Jacob? Are we going to be Israel? Somebody cuts in line in front of us. We going to be Jacob? Are we going to be Israel? When we're filling out our tax forms, we going to be the deceiver? Ouch. 
I felt that one. I know. Look, we got a choice to make. Are we going to be Jacob or are we going to be Israel? Somebody does us wrong, how are we going to respond? As Jacob would or as Israel would? Somebody didn't speak to me today, okay? So you're going to get bitter about it? You're going to get upset about it? You're going to be Jacob? Are you going to be Israel? That's your choice. And look, look, this is repeated throughout Scripture. And I've told you, anytime you see it repeated, there's strength to it. Listen, we're going to go through these real quick. Ephesians 4 verse 1. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. He's a prisoner. He's not just, he, he calls himself prisoner of the Lord. But you understand, he's in real chains. He's been arrested for preaching the gospel. And yet in spite of that, here's what he said. Beseech I beg you. You that you walk worthy you, of the you vocation. Walk how? You walk how? You walk how? Worthy. Worthy. Of the vocation. Of this vocation. Wherewith ye are called. You're called. He said, you've been given a new name. You've been given a new opportunity. Now walk worthy of it. Walk worth. Remember who you are, Jacob. Remember who you are. Your daddy may have called you Jacob, but the, but the God of heaven has called you Israel. Now are you going to live the way daddy called you, or are you going to live the way God called you? Oh, hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. That you might that walk you might worthy walk of the how? Lord. That you might walk how? Worthy. You might walk how? Worthy. Come on, I'm trying to drive this point home. That you might walk worthy of the, of Lord, the Lord unto all, unto all pleasing. pleasing. Being, being fruitful in, in every good, good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. First Thessalonians 2 and 12. That you would walk you worthy would walk of God. How? Worthy. worthy, 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 out of the mouth of two or three witnesses throughout the New Testament. This is our command. You've been given a new name. Now let it show through a new nature that there be a change. Don't keep being who you've always been. Come on, come on, come on. Listen, God can save anybody. You hear me? God can save the drug addict. But when he saves them, they're not going to go back to the drugs. God can save the prostitute. But when he does, they're not going back to their prostitution. Come on, somebody. God can save the liar. But when he does, they shouldn't go back to their own lying. I'm talking about walking worthy. Seemed like something Jacob just couldn't ever quite do. And the reason he couldn't is that Jacob didn't have what Simon had. Simon got that power that Jacob never had because the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jacob didn't have that extra power to try to fulfill that new name. But with Simon, now he struggled up until that point. And even after that point, he had his days when the weeds started growing up again. But he learned how to keep it under subjection. Amen. Paul said, I die daily, 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 daily. I got to get back up today. And I got to look in that mirror and say, all right, now, for him, for him, it would have been this conversation. Are you going to be Saul? Or are you going to be Paul? Are you going to be the one that's persecuting everybody that doesn't agree with you? Or are you going to be the one that's reaching out in love, trying to help people and save people? You going to be Saul or are you going to be Paul? Let's stand today. I, 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 am, I am closing. Now look, look, look. If we'll do this, if we'll do this, saints of God, if we'll learn to walk worthy...
we'll learn to walk worthy of this new name. We're bearing the name Jesus everywhere we go. We're carrying the name Jesus everywhere we go. People want Christian on their bumper stickers and Christian, amen, on their lapel pins and a cross hanging around their neck. And they, they want to, but, but listen, if you're going to wear the name Christian, walk worthy of it. Walk worthy of it. If we do, if we do, there's a promise I want to share with you as I close. Revelation 3, verse 12. Him that overcometh. Him that overcometh. Will I make a pillar in the temple of my God? Read. And he shall and go no more out. He's not going to leave the I, temple of my God anymore. And I will write upon him I the name of my God. I am going to write on him that name. And the name of the city of name my God. name of the city of my God. Which is the new which Jerusalem. Which is new Jerusalem. Which cometh comes down, down out of heaven from heaven, my God. From my God. And I will write upon will him write my him new name. My new name. Now listen, there's a day coming. There's a day coming. If we'll walk worthy between now and then, there's a day coming when that name is going to be irreversibly written on us. It'll never be taken away. There's not going to be a carnal nature to battle anymore. We're not going to have, ja we're going to leave Jacob behind in this old world and we're going to live as Israel. Amen. Forever and forever and forever. We're going to live worthy of that name. The day's coming. We're not going to have to crucify our carnality. We're not going to have to fight uh, amen through all of our sin the day's coming when that name is going to be put there and we don't have to worry about whether we're walking worthy or not because he's going to make us worthy let's lift our hands and love the lord let's love the lord let's love the lord oh hallelujah 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 come on let's reach out to him let's reach out to him Ah, God. Ah, oh, Jesus. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know it. I know it's noon, but I'm going to tell you, I feel like there's some folks here today that just want to come and kneel around these altars and just make sure Jacob's dead. I don't want to walk out of this building, amen, and return to Jacob. I want to be Israel from this day forward. I want to be different, amen, from this day forward. I want to live worthy. I want to walk worthy of that name that you have put upon me. Why don't we gather around? Let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to God. Let's ask him to bring that conversion that transformation amen help us God to lay aside amen that old nature amen that old carnal way and begin to walk worthy amen of this new name that he's given us oh let's talk to God